Amen. Thank you for coming on a nice day that if we can make this shorter, we can go out and enjoy a little bit more. We are continuing through the book of Mark. We have a few more weeks of that, and then we'll have one week after Easter, then we'll be finished with Mark. And uh, so as we pick up, after what Evan uh, so awesomely did last week, uh, we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Starting with verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury, and he began observing how the multitudes were putting money into their treasure. Many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned, all she had to live on. Now, before we go into this today, I want to give a little disclaimer to you, and I would ask that you at least ponder with me and think with me. I'm going to challenge you to think today. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you not or what not to do. Uh, I just want you to think outside the box of what we're used to. And as you look at this passage of Scripture, we're all familiar probably with the passage of Scripture. There's an awful lot packed into this Scripture. But the way Jesus taught to his disciples using parables or using illustrations was always uh, there was something that he was trying to bring across to them. So right now I want to tell you that if I use illustrations, I'm not telling you to do what it says. And if you get something that hits you, it's not like, well, now we're going to leave here. Because I do know I'm on real touchy ground when it comes to money and religion. Okay? Anything you've heard about both of those together, they don't go well because of the pressure, the guilt, the condemnation that's put under people and trying to force people to give and try to force people to use their money for that. That is not the purpose today. That's not the purpose of what he was doing. So I want you to kind of get with me and ride with me through a little bit of a scenario of what happened here. Jesus came in with some disciples. Obviously, some of them came with him. Some of them sat somewhere else. He came over and he picked an open seat that sat right here in front of the treasury. And he observed. And as he was watching, he saw the, uh, the rich people come and uh, they put their money into the treasury box. Now, hold a minute. We're going to back up. And you've known three or four different times Jesus addressed these people. And I'll give you a, a picture of what it was. What they used to do is they made their... <laughs> They made their money boxes out of uh, copper, and they were, they were copper, and uh, they were a little bit like the symbols that are up here. And, and so when the, the rich and the prestigious and the wealthy were going to put money in it, they would not come and take a dollar bill and drop a dollar bill in it. They would trade the dollar bill for a bunch of heavy coins that get in a lot of coins so that you'd be sitting there talking, and then all of a sudden, this big box, and you'd look over, and they would be standing there, and they wouldn't leave till you noticed who gave all the money. And Jesus noticed that, and he said back in Matthew 6, he says, and Luke, it also says this, he said, uh, they give that money to be noticed by men, and they got their reward. Guess what? They just got noticed by men. 
That's their reward. It's all done. It's all finished. It wasn't something that God took and accepted. They got their reward. They got noticed by men. And so this is what was kind of going on. Not necessarily did it say that these people were doing that in this portion of Scripture. All it says, they put in large amounts of money. Now, in the Christian world, and when Jesus came, uh, the Acts, in the book of Acts, it says when, when the Holy Spirit came upon his disciples, there was a phrase that was used back then, and it said they upset the nations. Now, reading that, you can miss what's really being said there. The word upset is a Greek word that means upside down. They turn the world upside down, the way they look at things and see things. I mean, frankly, here's one of those illustrations uh, that this person you're watching, and let's say you're sitting there watching this, uh, and a bunch of money comes in. This person puts 10,000 in today, and you're looking down here, and you see that, and then the next person next puts in 50 cents. Who put in the most? I mean, the 10,000, we all weigh according to that measuring rod. Jesus is saying, my measuring rod is entirely different. I'm going to show you a whole new system, kind of like the Matrix. First service, I said, uh, who in here has seen the movie The Matrix? Raise your hand. Literally three people in the first service. <laughs> you guys at least get around. I, 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 I felt that maybe the Baptists come at nine, and then the, <laughs> I don't know. Excuse me, excuse me. I should have never, never said that. I, uh, okay. So we got some Pentecostals in here. It says, all right, we can go to, you can go to some movies and now and then. But if the, the matrix, everything was kind of upside down. It was twisted. How do you understand this? And what's going on in here? And Jesus is saying, she gave more. His weight system was way different. And, and, and you'll notice also when, when people would, you know, almost run the races, and he'd say, ah, the last or first. What? What do you mean the last or first? Everything seems upside down in the Christian world when you start to do things according to his standard and his measurement. Now, I, I want you to catch, in case you miss this, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your resources. But I am going to tell you the theme and the, the whole point of this passage is it is about a relationship with God. It is not about us getting our rules and reading the rules. And you know what happens when I usually teach on finances? I get people says, just tell me, how much am I supposed to give? Who am I supposed to give to? And God is not going to tell you that. He purposely, in, in, the, in the other covenant, in, in the other measuring rod, you're told. So you can go ahead and say, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I check, I check, I check. And you can check it all off. And God says, even those offerings are abominations to me. This is about a relationship. And he goes on and he, he proceeds to move forward with this. And he said, these people, uh, they gave out of their surplus. Now, I, I am confessing to you that when this message came up to me, I have seen myself as a generous person in giving. I know that uh, Steve, before he passed away, our pastor, he said, you have the gift of giving. And so did Pat. And I said, you know, I, I, I beg to differ from you. And I said, here's why. 
I think I'm very generous with my surplus. That may, are you hearing that? As long as I got what I need to make it, anything over that, I can do that. And God has challenged me. Now, it's not that I have to do with the widow and give everything I own and just take everything and put it out there. It's just that God is saying, you, in your just giving from your surplus, you're blocking yourself from hearing how I want you to live life. And so, as, as you hear these things, all I'm wanting to do is challenge you today to just say, God, are you speaking to me? And if you are speaking to me, in what ways are you speaking to me? I do know that some of the positive things of this widow is she, the, the song we sang here, let's just reverse the order of that. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. She knew she was a child of God, so she had no longer a slave to fear. She could throw everything she owned in there because she had heard God tell her, throw everything you own in here. And she knew God. Too many people say, oh, no, now we've got to go home and throw everything we own in here. Maybe, and maybe not. It's not about following this principle and this rule. It's about what was hidden. This is an upside-down thing that he, he basically got a whole new measuring rod of how you measure life. She was put in a place where she was caused to be dependent upon God. You see, with a surplus, we, we don't necessarily have to do that. Uh, I'm, he's not here. I have a friend that works with me, and I love him to death. And, and one day, uh, years and years ago, I, I got into disguises. And I would, I would just put on a disguise, and I've even, I even went to my dad and tried to buy a house from him, and he didn't know who I was. And, and so it was fun. And it's fun when you're doing that, when you can tell you've hooked them. You know, at first you're not sure, and then you can tell they have no clue, and you play them, and you just play them. Well, I decide I'm going to go to work, and so I had known that uh, uh, my friend Mark, he, he got into biking, and he, he would ride his bike to work, and, and not his car, and he rides his bike in, and he chains it up right out in front because it's a nice bike, and it's a good bike. And so uh, he goes, he comes uh, walking in, and I walk by him, and I go over to his bike, and I stop, and I can tell he stopped, and he looks at me. And I disguise my voice, and I said, nice bike. And this is, no this is no lie, this is what he did. It's my bike. <laughs> so it's your bike, I touch it, and he, my bike, that's my bike. And we, we still today talk about this kind of deal. But he had gotten his bike, and nobody was getting his bike, especially this hoodlum that was touching his bike. I think I do that a lot with God when it's, when it's no longer the surplus. It's almost like, that's my paycheck. And God's saying, oh, touches it. Just, just wants to touch it. Now, when you also look at what did they get, what did they put in, we get so limited to what that means. And we're going to look at that in a minute. It isn't just your money that we're looking at in this passage. It is your talents. 
It's your time. We have a very generous church. I, any of you guys visiting, we are not in the red anywhere. We're in the black. This is all paid for. People are very generous in this congregation. I'm not saying that they necessarily just give out of their surplus. I'm just challenging you. But God was going to challenge you sometimes with your time, with your compliments. Be generous with forgiveness. All he's going to say is, I'm an extravagant God. I'm over the top on whatever I do. And I want extravagant people that are generous people. You notice when he performs the first movement, I were talking about this miracle, and he changed the water into wine. He didn't make Boone's Farm. Okay. <laughs> Some of you kids understand that. <laughs> this was over the top. This was that kind of wine that is a choicest wine that everybody stopped and said, did you taste out of that barrel? Did you taste that? Was there any left? <laughs> There's barrels and barrels of it left. Whenever God does something, it's extravagant. It's telling you about an extravagant God, and he wants to use you to be the carrier of his extravagance. This is the point, a verse that just has changed my life, and when I'm, when I'm obedient to it, it is, it is remarkable what it does. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, and I, I love it uh, as, as you unfold the verse in the Hebrew text it basically says that that uh, when it's within your power to do good do it and it seems like that's simple but here's what it, the literal translation of that means to me Bill I have placed in your care whether it's money a material thing or time or a compliment and I've placed it in your care. And there is a rightful beneficiary out there that I am going to unveil to you today. They are the owner of that compliment. They are the owner of that resource. They're the owner of that money. And what I want you to do is eagerly go and do it quickly and give that to them. So if, if God's laid on my heart a compliment for Gracie, and I can't tell, and I wake up in the morning, I'm saying, God, where is it? I, I believe there's something here, and I see Gracie. A compliment comes into my heart, and it says, quickly, she's the rightful owner of that compliment. Give her the compliment. And it says to do so. I'm going to challenge you to, to tr do this. It changed my life. When I end up having my devotional time, when I'm done with my devotional time, normally each day I will go ahead and take that scripture and I'll say, God, today, right now, you are going to put a compliment, you're going to put a gift, you're going to put money, or you're going to put something into my care. I am going to look for that rightful beneficiary all day long. You know what it did to me when I do this? I no longer see what I don't have. My eyes got off of me because I'm eager to look for that. I'm going to ask you to give that a try. I don't know what God will tell you. I don't know if God's going to tell you, give your whole surplus away. And beyond your surplus, give your paycheck. Give all that you have in your possession away, like he did the widow. Most likely, he doesn't always do that. 
I had a dear friend of mine who's a very generous giver. He does have the gift of giving, and we were talking about this, and some religious people tried to, tried to tell him, you, you give out of your surplus, and you don't give things away, and so uh, maybe his value is worth $7 million, and he, and he says, well, here's the deal. I can give it all away today, all $7 million. And I gave $7 million away. Or I can give $2 million or $3 million away, invest the other three or four, and make another two or three, and I can do that year after year after year until I've given $100 million away. You don't know what God's telling him. And you don't know what God's telling you. Here's what I'm challenging you today. If you only led him to the door of your surplus, you will not hear who the beneficiary is that he's wanting you to give something to. You can't hear it. It blocks you from hearing that. This widow basically put her hands up and said, it is all yours. And she could hear what to do. The other people, as I understand the scriptures, accurately, I think, could not hear past their surplus. They could only hear past their budget. They could only hear, get, all the, get everything I can, pay for this, pay for this, do all this, put this in savings, put this towards my truck, and this will pay off the boat, and get this kind of stuff. And now I got some left. I'm going to give it. And God is saying, now wait a minute. I want you to basically lay it all down. Now please don't leave here feeling under condemnation and guilt. The Bible says that God loves, <coughs> God loves a cheerful getter. He does not so, so want somebody giving out a compulsion. The word compulsion means that somebody from the outside of you pressured you to do something. If you're hearing me pressure you to give something away, that is not from God. God, all I'm asking you is, would you open your heart today as this little widow did and say, God, how do you want? I want to be the carrier of whatever it is you've put in my resources. If you have a couple cars and God is saying, hey, we want the car, why do we instantly go to the one that's got the most miles on it? Remember, the, if you did that back in the Old Testament and you gave a, a lamb that was bruised, it wasn't accepted. Now, I'm not telling you now to go give all of your cars away. I'm telling you to listen, just so that you can enter into this. It might start with just compliments. I'll assure you one place I do know it will start, because I've seen this. When people have decided to practice this, and they're thinking in the back of their mind, okay, I'm going to learn how to give. I'm going to learn how to give resources and money. And so they say, God, it's all yours. What is, what is it you're going to give me that I might carry it to the rightful beneficiary? And, and God will first of all say, forgiveness. Before we start, I'm going to give you forgiveness that's rightfully owned by Boomer. You offended him or he offended you. Go make it right. Do this now, and that's where he'll begin. That's where he'll begin, and if you're willing to forgive anybody that's ever offended you or done anything for you, you're getting ready for the next step. Then he might start with compliments. Some of you, it's just really hard to give a compliment to somebody especially somebody you don't like. Oh, it's terrible. Confession is, like I said, good for your soul, and it's really bad for your reputation. I gave this sermon earlier. I'm out in the back talking to somebody. I talked to a real a neat, neat couple, and they mentioned something to me about somebody, 
and I made a very inappropriate comment about the person. And I, I knew after I said it, I couldn't reel it back. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I should have never said that. And of course, first of all, your flesh says, it's true. It's true. You can say it if it's true. <laughs> I said, no, that was wrong. So I go out and I sit in the car and I'm working on the sermon and I can't get anything. I can't get one illustration for you today. God says, we've got something to take care of before you get up there again. So I had to get a hold of the people, tell them I was sorry, forgive me for that. It was the first thing that God gave me. And it's not always just that God's going to tell you money. Sometimes it's forgiveness, sometimes it's apology, sometimes it's compliments. Sometimes it's your time. Be generous. Who to give to? Now, everybody's waiting. Okay, are we supposed to give to our church? I mean, are we supposed to give to the local church? Now, do you give to the local church before you give to a ministry? Now, do you, give, do you give to somebody you see poor before you give to the local church and to the ministry? Oh, how about the widows? By the way, just a side note, we have quite a few widows in this church. I totally believe if you will try what I'm asking you to try, I don't know who it will be, every widow in this church will be taken care of in every need that they have. Because God wants to give somebody in here a something to bring to the rightful beneficiary who is a widow that would bless them. I don't think I have to tell anybody what to do. I think it just be available. Be available like this, this widow was. There was a story of, uh, I told this story in here before, so some of you, uh, if you've heard it, uh, re-listen to it. And uh, some of you don't remember it, but the story really hit me because there was a guy that actually lived this way. He lived day in and day out this way. His name was Manly Beasley. And there was a guy named uh, Ron Dunn who actually ministered to me in my life in my Christian faith. He was always, uh, always speaking either uh, back then. There were reel-to-reels and tapes. There was no CDs and things like that. But I would listen to him, and he'd be right where I was in my life all the time. And so I'd eagerly wait for the next one that I would hear, and he just ministered to me. And one message it really uh, especially hit me, and it was, an, it was a message similar to this, but it was one where he and another speaker, uh, who was a national speaker at that time, were doing conferences, and they were traveling throughout the South. And they were down in, uh, in uh, the South, Louisiana or something, and an unbelievable hurricane rain and everything just came. And there was so much rain that it was the kind that your windshield wipers won't even block. So everybody stopped outside the church. They're all done, the, or the conference is over. And they're just all waiting. Nobody can pull out. And so he's sitting, talking to his speaker with him, and he hears this. And he's, what in the world? And he rolls the window down. Back then we rolled our windows down. And, <laughs> and he rolls it down just enough to just have all of this blowing in him. And there's this face. And the guy says, sir, Mr. Dunn, I'm supposed to give you these. And he's, What? And he looks down and he hands him a pair of shoes. And, what? And he says, you're supposed to take these. And he rolls the window up and he looks out and the guy's walking off and his stocking feet just slopping. As they traveled on uh, their, their uh, conference and their conference uh, speaking engagements, 
One of the guys that was speaking ended up going into a store and he was going to buy a suit. He wanted to get a new suit and he went in and he, and, uh, and just like these, I have brown shoes that I've told can go with black. So, okay. And, uh, and he had black shoes and so he bought a black suit. Inside the store, it was a black suit. He gets out in the sun and it's a dark burgundy. And the brown shoes don't go with the burgundy pants. Now, I wouldn't care, as you all say, no lie, uh, but <laughs> Karn, you would never have that. <laughs> and I uh, said, what am I going to do? And he says, and I, I have a size 8 triple E. Nobody has this type of shoe, and I got to find something. And he goes, just a minute. So he runs out, and he gets in the trunk of his car, and under there, it's just been laying there. He comes out, burgundy shoes, size 8 triple E. And he gives them to him. Mr. Dunn, as he grew old and he was going to pass on and disciple somebody, and he said, I want to mentor somebody, he says, I know who I want to mentor. People knew that he was wanting somebody to mentor, and he was very popular, so he had a lot of offers and a lot of people that came with applications. And he said, no, nope, I'm looking for a specific man. One day he was in the restaurant in a town and he was sitting down and a guy walked up to him and said, uh, I hear you're looking for somebody to mentor. And uh, he said, yeah. And he says, but I, I've got a specific man. I'm not asking for, you know, interviews. He goes, I'm the man. And he said, no, no. The guy, that I, the, the guy that I'm looking for knows how to hear God and he's given up everything because he can hear God. I'm the man. He said, no, no. The guy I'm looking for one day brought me a pair of shoes and Manly Beasley says, size 8, triple E. How would you like to be able to hear God that way? I mean, I, I long for that. And I believe if we're going to do that, if I believe if we're going to do that, I'm going to ask you to at least be willing to do this. Would you take that line and that wall that your surplus has blocked you from entering into that which you think is necessary in order to live and at least tear the wall down. Tear it down. Your nest egg, your retirement, your savings. God may not go past that surplus. But unless you are willing to tear it down and say, it is all yours, it's all gift, I don't think you'll hear God and you'll miss out on the ability to bring those things to people. I love when God tells me to give compliments. I love when God tells me to surprise somebody with something unique. I love those opportunities. There's nothing like it on this planet. And God has given me creative ways to do things that some of them, uh, the guy knows who it is, and sometimes they're not. But there's nothing like doing it and watching as the rightful beneficiary gets what was rightfully theirs, I just got to be the carrier of that to the person that needed it, and then I got to have the privilege of watching them be giddy about it. It's exciting. It's exciting. In closing, as Tom comes up, I want to read a portion of Scripture to you, and I want you to, for those of you that are saying, you know, I'm still a slave to fear in this area. I'm just, I've been hurt so often and I don't want to, I finally am making it. Uh, again, I'm not asking you to give 
your paycheck away. I'm just saying be open. Now this I'm going to say to you. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. So let each one do as is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, under compulsion, which is forced from the outside. God loves a hilarious giver, a cheerful giver, a graceful giver. And remember this, God is able, he has all the resources to make all grace abound overflowing to you that always, not sometimes, always, you will have all sufficiency in everything, not something, in everything. You may have the abundance overflowing in every good deed. And then you will be enriched in every way with all liberality so that you also will be produced to give thanksgiving to God and you will be the one that will be able to minister to those in the service. Not so you'll meet their needs ultimately, but that overflowing thanksgiving to God would be the end result. As Tom sings the song, I want you just to be willing today to say, hey, let's tear that wall down. Let's not just be out of the surplus and let's not measure ourselves with the measuring rod that our world measures. Let's get, turn it upside down and say, God, you speak to us. And I encourage you on this day, which is family day, parents, the first place this should start is teaching your kids how to do this. There's creative ways to teach your kids how to do this. It doesn't always have to be with money. And I believe you will never regret it.